Today on The Breakdown, we've got Ludacris doing Ludacrisian-type things. You know, that guy is a, he's a loose cannon. That's what he is. He's out there, and he's, he's feeling great. You know, there's, he's, he's feeling full of himself. He's got just a thin layer of gabardine between him and us at this point. Um, <laughs> like, okay, so this is from a, the hand we're going to do is uh, from the Hustler Casino Live. It's a 5 5 50 game. That's right, 5 5 50, three blinds, and the big blind must ante up $50 as well. So it's weird. It's already really weird. And uh, Ludacris plays aggressively, spewy, um, too wide, I would say, too bluffy. Those are my hits on him. Um, I think, like, every hand we've ever done with Ludacris. He's always, like, being very aggressive with whatever two cards he happens to have in front of him. So we'll see if that, once again, happens here. And also we'll see how his opponent in the hand, Nick Vertucci, is going to deal with this. Nick is going to have, well, not a whole lot of a hand, I'll tell you what. He's going to be in a lot of weird, tough spots. And the question is, basically, should he let Ludacris do the Ludacris stuff and just not fold anyway? Or should you, like, you know... Be selective with what you're going to call down with or even play back at Ludacris. These are all questions that must be answered. And I will look into my crystal ball all by myself. This is a personal breakdown. Only me this time. Grant will not be here for any of it. <laughs> he's looking at me so, he's so confused and angry right now. Um, but he won't be speaking. He'll just be making faces the entire time. It's going to be great on the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. <laughs> Now he's doing the thing. You can't keep quiet for that long. Why even pretend? It's not, it's not going to be good. You know it. We're just going to have to start again if you don't say anything. So do you really want that? <laughs> he's just got this semi-satisfied smile because he's, he's foiled me. Okay, I concede. I concede. You win. Okay. Oh, he almost spoke. I was gonna, I was gonna declare victory the moment you did it. Too. <laughs> oh god! All right, well, fuck it. I'll just do the opening by my. I'll do the whole podcast unless you want to talk. Now I know you're not. Now he's not even doing a good job pretending like he's gonna speak. Um. All right. Well, fuck Grant, <laughs> as he sits here wasting everyone's time not talking. Grant, it's a two man show. We need you. You're needed. You're necessary. Without without you, this whole thing falls apart in a hurry. I terrified of what the listener numbers are going to be right now. He's still here, by the way. I make it one little joke, and the guy gets so offended. Are we, are we doing a podcast? <laughs> hey! I was just thinking about Cloud Atlas. Huh. The movie or the book? The movie. Mm. There's a book? Of course there's a I book. I know there's a book. <laughs> there's a book, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's kind of an interesting movie, personally. I don't remember it at all. Tom Hanks plays many roles. I know that. So do others. I just know the true, true. Yeah, that's not even actually said in the movie. Okay, know? that's just, just from Rick and Morty? It's a Rick and Morty yeah, internet dimensional cable thing where I thought, I assumed it was as well, but I think it's not a quote from the movie. Okay. But that was That's the best great. I got. Yeah, but it, it, it was tonally correct, you know? Yeah, okay. When Jerry was the st- one of the stars of Cloud Isn't Atlas. Isn't Cloud Atlas like three and a half hours long I think something? it's at least three hours long, yeah. It's a very ambitious film. Very ambitious. You don't see films really made like that, big studio films anyway, almost ever. With that level of ambition. Um, Christopher Nolan movies? um, I would argue that Christopher Nolan movies still mostly cater to like a big action element and stuff like that. Sure, but conceptually, they're usually pretty ambitious. They are. No, that is certainly true. Tenet is wildly ambitious from a a conceptual point of view. There's no arguing that. And that's true for a lot of his. That's fair. Um, I would say, um, though, from uh, what it asks of the audience, uh, Cloud Atlas even asks more than... Well, Tenant is pretty tough to get through. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's not fair. Anyway, I love Tenant. I, lo- I, I like Cloud Atlas. I've only seen it once. I'll see it again at some point. Tom Hanks has got the bad teeth in that one, and so that's a good sign. When he's got the bad teeth, it's the good acting, you know? Bad teeth, good acting. Yeah, there is a reverse correlation there. Right. I've, I've seen that. I think they said it in, uh, was it in Tropic Thunder when, when Robert Downey Jr. said to Ben Starr, you never go full good teeth. Right, that's what he or said. full bad teeth. Full bad teeth. Right. Only half bad You teeth. have to have partially bad teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Get that Oscar, baby. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, what are we talking about? Because I was just thinking about um, Cloud Atlas, which oh. I know nothing about. 
Well, there's a 5-5-50 game here with Nick Vertucci and Ludacris. It's from the Hustler Casino Live. It's mm. a cash game, and we're going to get into it right now on the breakdown. With the with who? <laughs> Jonathan Levy. Oh, okay. I feel like your ears are not working today. Yeah, that must have been my ears. <laughs> you know, it's possible that it's you and one other listener's ears, and so if anyone heard it weird, yeah, that, you're the one listener who that heard other, it weird. That other person, I'm sorry that you share this condition with me. Yeah. Maybe we should try to find a specialist in like the hills of South America or something. Probably everyone else listening did hear me say with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy very plainly and straightforward. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think you, whichever listener didn't hear it very well, and I... <laughs> are the only people who hear Yanni and everybody else exactly. hears, hears Laurel. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I was just going to some place like that. Yeah. Just about to, and you, you beat me to it. You're like, the, you're like the tortoise, except you're the hare in this case. Yeah. Why don't we have another one of those yet? We had the dress thing, and then we had the Yanni Laurel thing. And I then... mean, they're all over the place if you go looking. Um, it's, oh. not, it's, it's done differently now, but there's like, I think I've even mentioned this on the podcast. There's lots of like either TikTok videos or very short you know, YouTube videos of someone playing like a lot, like a Rihanna song and they'll put up words and whatever words they put up are exactly what you hear. And this, the phrases are wildly different from each other. And it's super weird. It's the same, it's the same clip over and over. It's, it's a little, word. it's a little bit different than the Yanni Laurel thing. It's because a little bit different. That's suggestive. Whereas the Yanni yes. Laurel thing is like you either hear one or the other yes. and nobody has suggested that you're supposed to hear one or the That's other. That's true. That is true. That's fair. I think there are a few others like that, but you're right. You're right. It is a little different, but still, it's crazy how, how that stuff works. I love it. I love it, Grant. It is. That's interesting in its own right. The Yanni Laurel thing, I feel like we need to talk about that more. Like, it really? is absurd. Just, like, you actually hear the word Yanni, and then sometimes you actually hear the word Laurel, and it's not like you hear a little bit of one and a little bit of yeah. the other. You just hear it. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get I got get nothing. I got nothing. I remember, actually, I watched a whole video on why some people hear one and why some people hear the other. It's about, like, You've heard pitch. both, though, right? I believe I have. Yeah. Um, it's like the pitch and the waves and the this and the that's. But, you know, I'm not a man of science, Grant. I'm a man of heart and passion. And philosophy. And philosophy and writing. You love Aristotle. Ink. I'm about ink. What's your favorite Aristotle quote? quote or, or, or moment. Or, you know, philosophical invention. Oh, I'm going to go with the, like, you got to kill him to eat him idea. Mm, so from... The Aristotelian side of things. Yeah. It is uncouth from a philosophical perspective to eat a living being while they are still alive. You, they must first be dead. Yeah. And is this due to morality or is it due to some other philosophical underpinning? Well, I feel like you're really shortchanging the concept here. You it's said a Aristotle. You, of course I'm shortchanging yeah, it. it well, I don't want to speak for four hours on the subject. Okay, but it's not they need to be dead for you to eat them. It's you've got to kill them to eat them. So, it, so I think it's a morality thing. Ah. You have to slaughter your own, your own dinner, basically. I see. Yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot deeper than what you just said, and you could have done it shortly. But you didn't understand the concept. That's okay. This stuff is hard for a lot of people. <laughs> of course I understand that concept. Uh, <laughs> it's actually like a really fair philosophical concept, although not yeah. Aristotelian in any way. But like the idea that if you're going to eat meat, you should have to kill it. That's yeah. like a... That's a logical, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You know? I just hope other people had a little bit of a stomach turning when you said Aristotelian for like the third time. Two times. Podcast. Whatever, no, I said two times. Whatever. I hope they hated it a little Platonic, bit. Aristotelian. Platonic is fine. Everyone says platonic. But yeah, but Aristotelian they, is not a word anyone ever Socratean. hears. Socratean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a, you're a bozo. <laughs> Thank you. This is why I love to be on this podcast. You do love to be on this podcast, though. Just because you treat me like shit. You enjoy the bad treatment. It's great, yeah. It's gaslight That's, time. Yeah. <laughs> you, you asked for it <laughs> with your eyes. <laughs> wow. I shouldn't have said that. No, you shouldn't have. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that it was. But, you know, it's on the record. Okay. Forever. I was just making a joke. Uh huh. Sorry. Really funny. Ha ha ha. It was funny though. <laughs> you laughed. It's on tape. You definitely laughed. I laughed because I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We could cut it, but I don't think we're, we're not going gonna to cut it. I don't think we're going to. I know. No. That's okay. Anything, That's okay. anything we can use against you in the future, we're never cutting that. Oh, God. Sooner or later, this is going to ruin everything that I've been building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a life outside of this podcast. Do you, though? I do. Does it count? It does. Does I, I worry? I worry a little bit, but yeah. anyway, or not not to get too into it, but okay. Are we not the severed version of ourselves when we're on the podcast? No, because we remember things outside <sighs> exactly. the podcast. Exactly. So clearly not. <laughs> no, but that's an interesting concept. It's a great concept. Yeah, Aristotelian. 
one it's, might say. It's definitely an Aristotelian Soc- concept. Socratean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to fucking use those words for the rest of this show, as whatever I can in a natural way. It's going to be great. Socratean three bet. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, because the three bet asks the question, <laughs> yeah. would you like to continue exactly. in the hand? It's kind of brilliant. Actually, you know what? I think we can use that. Yeah. That's amazing. I want. I swear to God, what I really want now is to go on like, oh, please, one time. A Matt Berkey podcast or thing where like we're being interviewed by him. I know that's hard. We're never going to get interviewed by Matt. But I fucking... want it so I can say a Socrates three bet <laughs> <laughs> and just have him react to that. You know, yeah. I think it'll be very funny. Yeah. You know, because I don't know what he's going to do. And I could picture a bunch of outcomes, and most of them are very funny to me. I think if anybody came on our podcast, which we haven't done for a long time mm. and probably won't do for no, uh, maybe ever. We don't ever. Really like doing it. Yeah, and apparently you guys don't like it either. Yeah. We get a lot fewer listens when we have guests. So yeah, we, not... The only way it works is when we have someone come on and just keep doing breakdowns with us. Like we had uh, Matt Vaughn do it once. I think we had Matt Matros do it once. Yeah. Right? That works. But that's, that means you guys are just like just tuning in for the regular show. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, please continue. Um, I think if we had... Somebody in the poker world who was an analytical mind talking about stuff, and they said a Socrates in three bet, and they said it with a straight face, like they really meant that. I'd be like, oh, that must be some new terminology mm-hmm. that people are using to to define some type of three bet. Yeah, yeah. like Jason Kuhn, obviously, and Phil Galfi yeah. are talking about Socrates in three bets. Yeah, it's not just a three; it's a three. Well, I mean, it's a bigger three bet, right? Because a small three bet doesn't really ask a question, but a bigger three bet does. So it's a, it's a sizing. I mean, you could look at it either way. A small three bet asks the question: Do you want to four bet? I mean, but so does a big three bet. Yeah, but the small one more asks it. A little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think the I think a soccer team three bet is really clearly a, a larger size. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we're gonna get into an Aristotelian thing else. What would be um, something that would be like a quality of Aristotle that could be so something could be Aristotelian? Because um, I don't know syllogisms. Syllogisms, and w- could you define that? For Those are like logic problems. Oh, okay. Like if a and B are equal, then X, you know, you know well how that goes. <laughs> really? <laughs> if A and B are equal, then X. <laughs> no, I, now everyone gets it. If, uh, a, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yeah, you that's know, like that's, Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to have to use it in some other way because I don't think that's going to come up. I mean, it's like a logic-based play. Yeah. That could okay. be a syllogism. Okay. So that could be Aristotelian, a logic-based play. Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I raised... I did an, an Aristilian, Aristotelian. <laughs> Aristotelian raise, uh, river raise, you know, check raise. All right. And what's platonic then? Because those are the three, the three big ones. Huh. Um, the allegory of the cave somehow. <laughs> like, how do you implement that? I mean, what's the actual definition of platonic? I don't know what the actual... I know people use it in society, meaning non-sexual. Of course. But, like, yeah, the way you seem to be using it is already different. So I want to check in. Well, I'm just trying to think of how it relates to the philosopher. Platonic love is a type of love that's not sexual or romantic. It's derived from Plato. Yeah. uh, Though the philosopher never used it this way. So, okay. So we we just know what the philosopher didn't mean. Great. Yeah. Great. Um, Well, I'm just going to call it a platillian... You know, <laughs> call Platillion. on the <laughs> Yes. Uh, okay, great. Oh, that's where Platonic comes from, is Plato. Yeah. I never knew that yeah. until just now. When I said Platillion, I was doing something off of Plato's name, not Platonic, and now it's all... it's all You got there? ...came together for me. Wow. You really do learn something new every day, don't you, you do. Grant? Today's my day for learning something new. So the... Okay, we could, <laughs> we could actually come up with, like, a platonic play. Okay. Based on the allegory of the cave, right? Because the idea of the allegory of the cave is that you can only see the shadow of reality. That's, like, kind of the, the implicit thing there. Like, you can only see the shadows of what's actually going on on the surface okay. from, from the cave. Mm-hmm. So it could be, like, when you level yourself. You trick yourself into believing something's happening that's not. I don't think that's what it is. No? Okay. I don't... It doesn't do it for me. All right. Um, shouldn't a platonic thing be more like... It's something that's done like cold and unemotionally, because there's no. Oh no, it's love without without sex though. So there is there is yeah. some passion and heart. Oh, that's a toughie. We're gonna have to figure that one out as we go. It's gonna. We have to figure it out though, or, or else, will. or else we have to retire from podcasting. Well, either way, then it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, retirement's great. No one's gonna miss this show, <laughs> and we have great benefits for retirement here. We do at crazy Poker Guys good. LLC. I've been kind of pushing for retirement for a while, just because just I want because some of that sweet, sweet money. Our pension is huge it's over crazy. here at Poker Guys LLC. Yeah, it's amazing to have a pension these days. But you know, that's what happens when you work for the city. 
<laughs> yep, the city of Portland, Oregon. We we work for them. Yep. Did yep. you guys not know that? Did the listeners not know that? This is a public uh, a public thing. Yeah. Welcome to Portland tonight, and uh, today we're going to be talking about soccer team three bets. I mean, I just don't know how this whole thing has played out. Like, do people who've been listening to this, <laughs> or should I say, putting up with this for the last fifteen minutes, are they are they um, loving this, or are they like, are they going to get to the analysis? Because I can't do this anymore. You can always skip ahead. That's I know the beauty but, of the podcast. But there's some people who have loyalty and aren't going to skip ahead because they love us, even though they may not love what we're always doing. Much like a parent. I mean, we've we've covered a wide range of topics here. We really have. Starting with Cloud Atlas. Actually, starting oh, with yeah. you monologuing the show because you kind of set yourself up for that. I forgot it. We yeah. had two minutes of you just. Being in silence there, huh? You asked for it, and you I got did. it. No, I did. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the Cloud Atlas. Uh, we did another movie, too, right? Not just Cloud Atlas. Oh, Tenet. And yeah. like, yeah, the ambitions of those <laughs> films. And somehow we're now talking about Aristotelian 3. And now we're doing a review of all of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Here all we right, are. Well, good for us. I feel spry and chipper. Good for Matty Ice. Oh. Not, not Matt Ryan oh. well, when he's playing poorly, which is his nickname, Matty Ice. But when he's playing, no, not just when he's playing poorly. That's it's always Matty Ice? Yeah, he's like cool under pressure, Matty Ice. Oh, I kind of thought fuck? it was like he was doing shitty. No. All right, Matty Ice. He's now the quarterback of the Indianapolis so this, Colts. This must be Matt Ryan, quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, maybe it is. Who suggested this on Discord. He's been a listener for a while. Of course. How else could he make those throws? How'd that 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl do for you there, Matty? Yeah. Sorry, I'm a Patriots fan. Moving on. That's uh, so annoying. All right. Anyway, Matty Ice suggested this hand on Discord. That's where you should suggest hands if you want to, or you could do it on Twitter. Let's you know, not, you don't have me. to join Discord, but you know, if you do, you'll realize that was a good decision. But if you don't want to, Twitter's fine too. We're platonic about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? we're definitely platonic totally about platonic it. Totally platonic about it. That's also a phrase I'm going to use from now on. I'm just platonic about it. <laughs> Which you're just using to mean like you're lukewarm about yeah, yeah, it. I, yeah, I, I'm indifferent. I'm yeah. using it as indifferent. Yeah. Right. Different than lukewarm. Yeah, okay, slightly different. Yeah. Um, anyway, include a YouTube link or whatever type of link is needed for the hand whenever you suggest. There's a section there. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get to this hand, this, this tasty, tasty treat. We are going to get this hand solved up by Uh-oh. Wesley Cannon, and uh, we're going to come back at the end and review what the solver had to say, but we have not yet seen that data, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. We never know what the solver says until we get to it. It's great. Yeah. We love that. All right, it's one of them Hustler Casino weird blind structures, 5550 so with a $50 big blind ante. Who cares? All that matters is really the money that goes in the middle. Right. But here we are. Um, there's three limpers because this is the best game in the world. Because <laughs> That's right. Because it's a 5550 game, and people are in there for 30K plus, and there's just three limpers, and it's probably like this in a lot of hands. And can I get in this game? I mean, Jesus. I mean, it, it is unbelievable yeah. that they can play these stakes and play... I'm just going to say it so badly, yeah. right? I mean, this is crazy. It is. It is. I mean, the second two limpers might be yeah. justified, and maybe even the first one sometimes, but it's not, it's not a good sign for the game's uh, general sk- skill quality when before the hand even begins with the players that we're going to talk about, there's three limpers. Usually, that's not a great sign. And then we're going to see some other preflop decisions that I think also sort of back up what we're saying, that we don't think this is like coming from a place of like deep strategy. Yeah. So Nick Fertucci. Yeah. He's in the cutoff after the limpers. He's got 33,000 in front of him. He's got three, four of spades. Yeah. Feels like you could limp if you want. Yep. You could fold if you want. Sure. You could raise to a lot if you want. Yeah. But that seems like, why would you do that? Um, I don't think we're getting lots of folds at, from these people. So right. I don't know the value of raising three, four, really. Um, I mean, you, if, if you we get raise, like 650, maybe you get folds. Yeah, okay. But then what are we trying to do? We're trying to win like $250 yeah. with this hand. Like, okay, you could do that, but it doesn't feel like a great idea. I, it seems like a limp behind is, is now the play with this hand specifically, right? Yep. Anyway, Nick raises to 400. Okay. So sure. never ever getting through, like 0%. It feels like 0%. I don't know what to do. Like, it's our job to seek to understand here, but yeah. like, I don't see any value in doing this. Well, here's a few things. Um, by raising to 400, he now is almost always going to get the button, right? Yep. Like that has some value. He sort of per- he, so he gets to win the button by by raising. That's number one. Now he's in the cutoff anyway. He might get the button anyway, but yep. still he gets to do that. Um, number two, he will knock out some players like. The guys in the, f- the small and the big blind who put up $5 are probably not often going to come in now. Yes. 
um, when they probably were before a yeah. lot of the time. So that's good too. But this is the kind of hand that plays well multi-way. And so I don't really know why we're trying to get rid of people anyway. I mean, we're not getting rid of three people at least. Like you'd think it'd be very likely that the three limpers are all going to call. I would assume that's the case. Now, maybe he knows these guys. He plays with these guys all the time and yeah. knows that they're limping with really weak hands. Do you know what kinds of hands these limpers even have? I will tell you in a second. Okay, because this will be interesting. I have a feeling they're awful, awful hands. Is it like ace, deuce, off and stuff like that? It's quite possible. I, I have to reload the video. So, yeah. I'm always amazed in a tournament spot when someone limps and then I raise and they just fold. And I don't raise, you know, some insane amount, you know. Well, like, it's more common in tournaments because people well, the, hold their stacks more dear. The later you get, sure. But, like, first of all, the fact that someone limp late and fold seems weird to me anyway, but fine. But even, like, in middle or early stages of a tournament, that always surprises me. Okay, you yeah. You got it? What, are the, what you do are, they have? You are correct. It's 7-6 off is the under-the-gun limp. Yeah. These, these, I mean, people, these people are bad. Jesus. The plus one limp is actually somewhat reasonable. A six of diamonds. Okay. Once, once under the yeah. gun is limped. Ten deuce off is the hijack limp. I mean, okay. So Nick is gonna. Nick should successfully fold out some of these hands, actually. Yeah, I guess so. So he's like, I have at least a real hand, and these guys are in with everything and anything. I don't hate this as much when we, when we learn that these guys are just complete trash. They're, yeah. Not that they are. Their hand selection is complete trash, clearly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, so I'd rather not do a 3-4. I still would probably want to limp behind, but it's way more reasonable. You should get a bunch of folds. It is more reasonable, but like if they're going to make these types of decisions pre-flop, yep. you might as well play a speculative hand in position and, and capture value post-flop. I don't hate your point at all. I think it's very reasonable. Yeah. Anyway, Nick makes it 400. Okay, fine. It feels like if you're going to raise, it needs to be more anyway, even with all that has been said. I mean, he's just 8xing it. Yeah. I mean, it's not tiny. It's not tiny, but you know, we're deep. There's in- only one. We are, we are deep. You're right. I mean, if they have hands like seven, six off and ten deuce off, they may just limp fold anyway. Yep. Those are horrible hands, and they're out of position. Oh, man, seven, six off under the gun limp. I mean, that this hurt. game. That Lock hurt. the fucking doors. I know, jeez. Holy shit, we got to get in these games. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> yeah, you're right. These games are incredible. If you're listening, Hustler, we're available. I mean, Hustler's like, Hustler, will, well, I don't know if they'll take us. Yeah, they probably will. We have, we have a following. They'll probably want us on the show. Yeah. Anyway, we'll worry about that later. Yeah. Let's get back to this. All right. So Nick raises the 400 from the cutoff with three forest baits. Yeah. Then we, then we enter Ludacris. The Ludazone. Not the actor slash rap star. Oh. It is uh, the guy who plays on all these streams all the time. Oh, him. And is always three betting and four betting and five betting and six betting. Terrible hands. I mean, this game is incredible. What's he going to do with Jack 10 off here, I wonder, on the button? I mean, he could call. You could just fold. Yeah, I would just fold. Yeah. Um, you've, you've invested $0. Yep. He's, of course, not going to be able to <laughs> get away from the siren call of the three bet. Yeah. He makes it 1400 which... At, at least he's on the button when he does it. And I think the sizing is reasonable in this spot. Like, Nick's, yeah. Nick's going to have some folds against 1400 out of position. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A few. And by the way, if they're heads up and Ludacris hat, you know, is in position with the initiative, he's going to win a lot. Yeah. So this three bet is not horrific. No, it's not. Actually, it's weird. I would have thought coming in without like doing a slightly deeper dive on the limping situation that the raise is from Nick is pretty bad and the three bet from Luda is pretty bad. But actually, I don't hate either one nearly as much as I thought. I think they're and Luda's actually I, I may even like. If Nick is attacking the limps a lot, yeah, which he then, probably is. If he's got three four and he's doing it, he probably is. Then it's a lot better to raise Jack Ten than call with it. Yeah, because you can win post flop more. You get to win now more. Also, usually only Nick is going to call, and you're yeah. going to be heads up in position against one player with a bloated pot. Yeah, it's not so bad. It's fine. So, yeah. so this play, pre, the preflop play, not so bad from these two guys. Right. Folding is probably my preferred route with yeah. Jack-10 still. I agree. Uh, I mean, I think suited, you could really make an argument for three-betting. but this, You can also make an argument for calling. Suited. You could. You could, but there's a lot of benefits to three-betting that we've already outlined. There sure are. Um, the limpers, of course, all fold, yep. including Eli with the only non-trash hand. Yeah. And uh, Nick is going to call. I think he's probably supposed to. Uh, the stack depth between them is like 32K is the effective stack between Nick and Luda. It's probably supposed to call three, four spades here. Probably he is. But, I mean, it's not great. We don't have a great stack to pot for this kind of a hand already. He's got a better one than Michael Adamo did when he played that hand against Chris Brewer yeah. that we did it's earlier true. this month it's with true. the exact same hand. I understand. But that doesn't mean to say that it's a good stack to pot ratio. It's not. We're out of position. No. And we're Nick. We're not Michael Adamo. So 
there's that too. Well, not everybody when they're playing poker or analyzing their own poker game realizes that they're not Michael Adamo. Yeah. A lot it's of a, people think they are Michael Adamo like and that they're just unlucky. Dissociative identity thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you're mostly not. Most of you guys aren't Michael Adamo. Yeah. Maybe a few of you are, but most maybe of you one are. of you literally is. But I mean, yeah, that's that's quite possible. Maybe there's others who are named Michael Adamo yeah. actually, but not that Michael Adamo. So you're like, I am Michael Adamo. Yeah. Fuck you, I am. But I am also terrible at poker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I think I'm good because everyone thinks they're good at poker, even though they're wrong. There's a few people I've I've met in poker who recognize their skill level accurately, but oh, it's, yeah. it's it's rare to see. It's really rare to see. I would say. Yeah. I agree. We all inflate our own skill level. Almost everybody does. It's hard not to, you know? It's just how it is. Anyway, here we are. Nick has called. Okay, fine. I don't hate it. Also, we need to do a breakdown of a hand if Nick folded. What the fuck are we doing? Well, we can talk about all how Ronnie limped 10 deuce off in the hijack after the other limps. Do you think this is like an Aristilian call? <laughs> Aristotelian. Aristotelian call. This is going to be a problem. Uh, I do think it's an Aristotelian it's call because from logic. Yeah. So if if the limpers are there, mm-hmm. I'll raise because they have bad hands. Yeah. If I raise, Ludacris then will raise. Yeah. I then will have to call because Ludacris has recognized that the limpers are going to fold to me. Yeah. We could put in another raise if we think Luda's just doing this very wide. Yeah. Actually, let's talk about that. Yeah. We don't have any blockers. That's no. that's unfortunate. I think if we had Ace Deuce, it's a much better play. Agreed. Um, but if we think Luda's doing this a whole lot, do we need blockers as badly? Like he doesn't have that many premium hands. We make this a big re-raise from a it's kind of interesting. from an exploit perspective, though. Is it going to work even against his bad <laughs> hands? Like, is he just going to put great. in the five bet? Like, that's a great question. Five bet or just call because he's got the button. He's like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, that's a real problem. Like, if we make it six k here, we four exit. Like, is what what is Luda actually going to do with Jack ten off? I don't know. I don't know either. He might just not fold anyway. And he might re-raise anyway, and that would really suck for us. If that's true, though, then we shouldn't be doing this with Ace-X either. I mean, I know we, we block some hands that he might be yeah. a little more excited to do it with, but like if he's going to attack us, just keep attacking anyway, then I guess a call makes a lot of sense. Right? I mean, if it is true, though, we can, we can assume that it's not always going to be the case, and we should sometimes maybe have a bluff, maybe very rarely. Yeah, and, a little bit. And in those times, we should choose a hand that makes more sense than this hand. Of course, you're right. That does make sense. We, we need to have a little bit of bluff because this is a stream and Luna needs to see once in a blue fucking moon we don't have it there. Yeah. So that way he'll overestimate the times we don't have it because that's what people who are massively bluffy do mostly. They right. think everyone's bluffy like they are. And even if they have evidence to the contrary, they mostly can't follow that evidence. Or, you know, They, they just mm-hmm. can't do it. And, uh, and then he'll just keep attacking. And so we'll just have real hands that we can go with. Or we've decided, you know, we've got tens and we're like, well, I'm never folding the fucking Luda. Five bet me all you want, buddy. I'm just going to six bet. You know, yep. like we're getting it in and I've got tens. It's good enough against you, right? Something it certainly like would be. Yeah. Cool. You want good enough or do you want the best? I want good enough. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you the best anyway. It's nitro betting, baby. What? Nitro besting because it's the best. No. No, it's not. It's nitro betting, yeah. but it is the best. Yes. It's confusing. Nitro betting is the new home of the former Nitrogen Sports. Yes. Uh, even if you already signed up for Nitrogen Sports using our link, it's time to sign up again for you nitro have. betting. You have to. You have to do it to get access to that continuing Poker Guys monthly tournament that is now hosted on Nitro betting. Nitro betting is a new site. It's pretty, and it's got new games, new sports mm-hmm. games that are fun. It's got you know March Madness-style bracket, except it's got it for a lot of different stuff, lots of different sporting events. It's got uh, squares, like the Super Bowl, where you pick a, a final score, and somebody makes all the money, yep. and it's really fun. And you know other, other cool new sports betting products. They have casino games. They got poker. It's all the same stuff that you love. Yep, and real talk, uh, if you signed up before, if you've been going to our tournaments and stuff like that, um, it'd be really great if you signed up again, so that way Nitro understands that you're still, you know, in the in the fold, as as it were. Otherwise, right. at some point they may be like, "Why are we sponsoring the poker guys?" Blah blah blah. You that know? is accurate. We now, don't want that. Right. So even if you've already signed up for Nitrogen Sports, go ahead and sign up for Nitro Betting. It's the same easy process. It's not. It's not going to take you any so time, fast. and you get access to all the cool promotions that they provide. Yeah, which have get, now moved to Nitro Betting. Yep, that's right. You get free extra stuff. You have to do it. Yeah. That's the deal. That's the Jonathan Levy philosophy. If we're talking about <laughs> philosophers, if you get free extra stuff, I mean, yeah, of course, I'll go to your presentation about the timeshare. You said you're going to give me a $100 gift yeah. card to Chili's. That's the Leviathan uh, co- compact. 
I believe. Is the Leviathan it, Compact, yes. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Descartes, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, Levy, Leviathan ah. Compact, yeah. Oh, so I, it's I, Jonathan Levy. Wasn't there a book by a philosopher called The Leviathan? I don't know, but there are lots of books called Leviathan. Leviathan Wakes, I think, is the second book in the, um, the you know, the, the, that science fiction trilogy. <laughs> That oh, this, it was Thomas Hobbes. It was not the... Oh, it was Thomas Hobbes, of yeah. course. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, I, how did we mess that up? Thomas Hobbes. Hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> Thomas again. Hobbes, a Hobbesian uh, mistake, ironically enough, that you just made. Of course. Everyone, if you think about the philosophies of Thomas Hobbes, you'll Which see... Which most people are already doing. <laughs> you'll see that I'm right. That, yeah. that is ironically so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you name, um, without looking, Grant, because I saw you sneak a peek already... Um, one of Thomas Hobbes' philosophies? I'd, Signature I just, philosophies? I just know that he and Locke were against each other. I think, yeah. I think Hobbes, I think Hobbes <laughs> was the nature guy and Locke was the nurture guy mm. in the nature versus nurture debate. Yeah. It, I could be wrong about that. I think, I think you are right, but I think you're sort of underplaying some of the Hobbesian stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was something like, if I recall, one of his famous uh, lines was like, if you ate it, you better supply it or something like that, you know, which is weird. But if you think deeply, it makes sense. <laughs> if you ate it, you better supply it, right? Yeah, if you ate it, you better you supply it. Because you ate it, so now you better supply it. Like, you have to, like, leave nature as clean as, uh, as, as it was when you got there, right? Oh, you God. ate it, now you have to supply it. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for, oh, no. for the Leviathan, and it's like, I'm so bored. Just Like, <laughs> one section is called Part 1. Of man. <laughs> no. No. That sounds oh, awful. It sounds so awful. <laughs> Why do people... You know, you know when you watch a movie, like especially like a, a critically acclaimed like indie movie that is super boring but gets like really high reviews on like yeah, what's reviews? that Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, The Power of the Dog. Like that's that, a pretty slow, that, pretty boring that's, movie. That's a great example. That is a good example. Um, there's one called Certified Copy, I think, um, from like... Four or five years ago with Julia Binochet, got like 95 on Metacritic. I went to see it at the local indie thing, and it was so insanely slow and boring, and nothing happened basically the entire time. It didn't matter. It sucked. And I was like, what's happening here? I believe I am a sophisticated enough, you know, consumer of movies that like, if you if all the critics give it a 95, I should at least understand why they give it a 95. Even they're, if I don't agree, I should understand. I they're looking at it through a slightly different lens than you are. Yeah. They care a little bit more about some of the artistic pieces than yes. you do. Right. They care so much about that stuff, they don't care if it's actually compelling at all. Right. Which is weird because if a movie isn't compelling, who cares about the rest of it? I agree because you know I, I'm in the same boat as you where I feel yeah. like I've, I'm a relatively sophisticated movie viewer, but I certainly don't want to watch that. I'd, I'd no. rather... I'd rather watch fucking Godzilla versus Kong and, and like right. rot my brain than watch that shit. Like, right. Because they, I mean, I'm offended by Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I guess. There's fun it's parts shiny. to it. It's yeah. shiny at times, and that's nice. Okay, right? a better example. How about the original Pacific Rim? At least that's like a pretty fun yeah, movie. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. There's, a lot to, there's lots of like fun, cool things. And I would argue there's a lot of art moments happening there. Not, maybe not as arty as yeah. some of these, you know, high end movies. Like coffee and cigarettes, stuff like oh, that. Oh, God, so boring. Bill Murray, right? Oh, no, so No, it's uh, Roberto Benigni, I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different uh, different thing. I was thinking of... Some... Maybe it's both of them. I don't know. I feel like it's black and white with RZA in it, I think. I don't know anything Anyways, about... Anyways, that movie with Bill Murray and RZA, crazy boring also. Yeah. Crazy boring. I just don't understand why why it's like that. Anyway, nitro, that nitro betting. <laughs> We'll never make you watch an artsy black and white movie again. We promise. Yeah. We promise. There are good there are good black and white movies and there are good artsy movies, but there are no good artsy black and white movies and we know it. Yeah. Okay. You just can't do it. Yeah. It's undoable. <laughs> just like getting ludicrous to fold. Yes. That's a great example. So we're not gonna try. No. Okay. Three thousand sixty in the pot. Great. Nick's out of position to ludicrous. Nick Vertucci has three, four of spades. Luda's got Jack of Hearts, ten of spades. Sure. The flop is seven of diamonds, three of diamonds, seven of hearts. Hello? Baby. It's no reaction. Um, so Nick flop, bottom pair, no kicker. Yeah. There are two diamonds out there. Luda has absolutely nothing going on. He's got a backdoor straight draw, which is not exciting at all. And overs. Come on. Sure. But yeah. Nick checks. Yes. Fine. Luda's always going to bet. Always. Right? And he should on this board. Sure. How do you want to size it? 3,060 in the pot. I mean, I don't think we should. Okay. 
I think because we need to be balanced with our actual good hands, we can't bet huge. We shouldn't be betting huge. No. So, I mean, my inclination is to bet something like 1,100 yep. on a board like this. Yeah, a little bit of a down bet from the three bet. Yeah. It's a it's a dry-ish board. There are two diamonds, but that's not super wet. I mean, is Nick just going to call us with king-queen if we do that? It sort of sucks if he does. I don't know. He if, might. Maybe he folds. He's, if he's got any sort of backdoor flush draw with the king-queen, maybe he's, yeah. he's probably supposed to call. I mean, he's out of position, but yeah, maybe yeah. he's supposed to call anyway. But any any non backdoor flush draw king queen is probably supposed to fold. He probably has king queen off here, so yeah, he doesn't have that many backdoor flush draws, so that's good. Well, it's if a he rainbow, has a diamond, diamond, yeah, on either yeah. card. Anyway, yeah, I, I I feel like a down bet here. We can always size up later if we want to. You know, we, we, there's actually a bunch of good cards for us on the turn, right? Eights, nines, jacks, and tens are all pretty good cards that we could continue on. And everything else, and I guess an ace or a king we could continue on also, stuff like that. But I feel like we may or may not continue on a jack or a 10. Yeah, we might decide to check that back. That's fair. But seven, eight, ace, king, queen, we could bet really comfortably, I think. Yeah. So, so this is like part of the keep our options open, tell the story. We don't have to bet a lot yet. We can size up the turn. I agree. I like that. Okay. Luda disagrees. He's going to go two-thirds pot. 2K, 2K bet. He's trying to get the job done right now. Yeah. I mean, in case Nick has something like deuces or fours, make him really think about it. He's probably not folding those, though. I mean, if you have king-queen with just the queen of diamonds, you might fold for 2K. That's true. Like, that folds out a bunch of that kind of stuff, which, you know, fair enough. That has value. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't hate the size up, even though it feels a little bit off based on modern poker theory in a three-bet pot on a dry board. Yeah. But I think that's fine. Okay. As Nick... How do you proceed? I mean, you, there's no folding. We flopped a no. three. It seems obvious. Is right? is raising an option? It's got. To, well, I mean, it is an option technically, right? Um, of course. Should we raise ever? Is what you're really asking, yeah. right? Well, let's figure out what the value of raising is. The value of raising is folding out, in theory, a bunch of overcards, right? We figure we're never going to fold out an overpair on a raise. Maybe later we will, but certainly not yet. Yeah. Um, but we might be able to fold out, you know, ace jack or something. So there's a little bit of value there because, you know, there's, there's the runner-runner way we lose to that, but there's also just the front door way we lose to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, I mean, it's nice to shut out equity, and we block full houses, which is nice. I mean, at the same point, we did get three bet. Luda is Luda, meaning he's probably... Maybe we're also worried about, like, if he keeps firing, we're going to be able to hold on, and so a raise is, like, makes our lives easier. Uh, in, a, in a way, like I kind of like that because it's not like Ace X... And reasonable hands are the only things we have to be looking. We don't know what to look for, right? Yeah, that's right. Like, Luda could have Jack 7 or Jack 6 here. Jack 6 suited, and, like, we'll have no idea what hit us, right? Yep. So I think a lot of the value in raising is just to end the hand against an opponent who has the entire board covered at all times, which, credit to Luda, there is something to his strategy that is difficult to play against. That is true. At the same point, whatever he has, if he doesn't have a pair right now, you know, we've got the majority of the equity. Yes. Even if we don't know what he has and what to be afraid of, we still have the majority of the equity. Yeah. Right? And so it's not so bad to call, even though we're going to be flying blind a bunch. And if he goes bet, 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 that's hard. It is. Yeah. It I is. Know, I don't know if he's... All, he, he's going to go bet, bet, bet more than a lot of people, but certainly not always. It would be really too bad if we folded to a three bet against a flush draw, though. That would yep. be really too bad if we raised and that happened. I know. I'd be kind of worried about that kind of a thing, man. Well, Nick's going to raise, which is why we're talking about yes. it. So maybe it's because he wants it to be easier. Yeah, I think Luda. So. Um, It's certainly not for value, you wouldn't think. I mean, no, it's equity protection pretty yeah. much only. But he's going to get value because Ludacris, of course, he's going to call. I mean, it's seven, seven, three, two diamonds. He doesn't have a diamond in his hand, which I guess he could say, like, I don't, I unblock. That's it's great. Jack High is always good. <laughs> it's very odd. Break it down, Levy. Why did Luda call? I mean, he called because he's in position because he's Ludacris. Because he does have um, nines, eights, nines, jacks, tens as good cards for him on the turn that he could then potentially, if checked to, fire away on with, with some equity. I mean, okay. I don't know if he's really going to, although he's not going to bet the jack or the ten. He won't need to, of course. But there's, there's a bunch of cards which maybe he feels like um, he could win with on the turn. A diamond, maybe. Uh, maybe an overcard. This is in the world where Ludacris knows that Nick has a three. And not a seven. Yeah. That's right. Um, and by the way, if a diamond comes and Nick bets, like, weren't we, aren't we calling because he has a lot of flush draws yeah. and straight draws anyway? Like, no, this is obviously not a good idea to call here. But since he does call, I'm just trying to give you some, some reasons, some, this, some like platonic reasons, yeah. really, on why he might, might call here, you know? Yeah, because Nick's raise was kind of Socratean. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. He's asking the question, you know, do you want to continue in this hand? Yeah. 
with that piece of crap? And ludicrous answers. Aristotelian. Aristotelianly. Style. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. I'm in position and I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Which Aristotle always said that. That's why I loved him so much. Yeah, he'd he be like, like he'd have his body all contorted on like some <laughs> rock and be like, I'm in position and I'm crazy. <laughs> it's probably like, I love this guy. Yeah. This guy's amazing. I don't get it, which means it must be brilliant. Yeah. 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 That's the Aristotle <laughs> way. So yeah. So okay. Any do you have any thoughts about Ludo calling besides what I've said? I think he has he was born with fancy place syndrome, yeah. and it's it's ter- will, it's terminal. He will, <laughs> like, he will die with fancy place syndrome. Yeah. That, I think that's that is of course the real answer. Yeah, there's no question. He wants he's going to fight as hard as he can for every pot. He's going to tell himself a story that makes it like I can win this pot in this way. What's mm-hmm. what's the most creative way I can win this pot? You yeah, know? like he thinks the goal of poker is to win every pot. I will say by calling here, something interesting happens. Right, he in theory narrows his range down. To very particular types of hands. Now, it's not true. No. And maybe Nick knows it's not true. But it is pretty interesting where, like, it's usually now big flush draws or flush draws, really, um, and pocket pairs. And sometimes a seven. Sure. Once in a while, a seven. But, like, he has a lot of, like, pocket tens here. Yeah. So maybe he also thinks that he can um, get a lot of information from Nick on certain turns. Like, a diamond turn, maybe not. But on, like, brick turns... Yeah. If Nick checks, like, okay, Nick probably has a lot of draws and isn't going to try and get me to, blow, get me to fold two tens because I'm never going to do it. Right. You know? So maybe he thinks, like, there's opportunities here that, um, where he's going to learn a lot. He's got a lot of information on the turn because he's in position. That's reasonable from an exploitative perspective. But, of course, from a game theory perspective, we need to shed some of our hands. Of course we do. And this should probably be one of them. I mean, this just feels like it has to be one of them, right? Yeah. Like, we don't, I mean, come on. We just have to have some more going on than this hand, I would think, right? We have to have some chocolate and marshmallow and graham cracker going on? Some more, <laughs> yeah. The way you said it, it sounded kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. You hungry much, Grant? I could go for a s'more. I know? mean, s'mores are always like too much marshmallow or too much chocolate. It's really hard to get the ratio right, but... It's hard for you yeah, it's hard to for get me. the ratio That's right. That's right. And you're not, you're not really a well-seasoned camper. We no. know this. So, you know. Do you feel you get the ratio right when I s'mores? I don't eat s'mores anymore. I'm not 14. That I'm not was a not child. I didn't say, have you eaten s'mores recently? I said, do you get the ratio right? Interesting how you sidestep that question. All right. What so the, re- the reason, the, what I'm hiding is that I am actually 14. <laughs> wow. So you just said you weren't 14 and now you say you are. Yeah. Can't so you're lying anything. then, not lying now. Yeah. It's very, it's very Aristotelian of me. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually. Yeah. It, you know, I would actually argue it's more Hobbesian. Oh yeah. If you ate it, you got a supply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're talking about camping. It's about s'mores. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have found that whatever the natural <laughs> ratio that occurs with just like the, the like six little bars of Hershey's chocolate with one graham cracker in half and one marshmallow seems mm-hmm. to be the right ratio for me. Uh, I, I've, I've never had a problem with that ratio. I feel like the graham cracker is always really knocked out of the flavor train. And you know it's what not happens? Right. You, know, you know what's been happening? What? You've been buying the store brand graham crackers for sure. That's a problem. Uh, what, you, what brand are you using? You I make don't, your own? No, <laughs> but there's like better graham crackers. And yeah. No, I'm buying the, the honey know, knowing, knowing the cheap y- ones, yeah. Knowing your... The normal ones. What, what are good graham crackers? I'm not even aware of good graham crackers. Like... There's like ones with like sugariness to them that are better, and they're like thicker or something. Maybe I don't know. I don't. I, need, I, need I don't eat. I don't eat graham cracker. cracker. Do I you need, just want bread? Do you just want to use bread instead? <laughs> a nice rye, a nice pumpernickel. Yeah, <laughs> that could be good. It's an interesting take on a on an old favorite. That does sound know? like a dessert at a Portland restaurant. It does actually. Very yeah. Gordon Pump, Ramsay. Pumpernickel s'more. You know what? I would try the pumpernickel s'more when you just said that. Yeah, I'm like I am curious. Yeah, I bet it's good. And of course, they would use like. Fairly sourced, delicious chocolate. Yeah. You know, and the marshmallow would be made of something that's not marshmallow. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. it would be, it would make it better, but it'd be very expensive, and you would claim to like it more than you really did, because that's who you are. Why, <laughs> what are you attacking now? I would claim to like it more than I really did. Yeah, what are you, you talking you about? Pretend to have such fine taste, such gourmet, this and that. Fuck you, Grant. <laughs> that's not the same thing as pretending to like it more than I no, did. No, I'm saying you claim to have such fine taste, not that you do. Oh, so, so you're saying the, pump, pump, the pumpernickel s'more is only for the fine palate? I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Like, well, like, you know, we made it, we handmade the, the marshmallows from, you know, uh, a particular goat cheese and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, you can really, oh, that really, that goat cheese really adds to the, the pumpernickel. Where are you smart. getting Thank this? Thank God for the Where goat are you cheese. getting this? What a, what a revelation this is. Do you taste the nuttiness? The nuttiness of the goat cheese? Why do you, you say paint things this, like that? Why do you paint this picture of me? <laughs> I don't know. 
Because <laughs> you're an easy target. You know it's know. not true. No, it's not true. But it's fun. It's fun. And I'm saying it's not true to end the argument, not because I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh. Friends like these, you know? Friends like these. Yeah. What are you going to know? Anyway. Back to the hands. All right, Ludacris <laughs> is called with Jack Ten High. Oh, right. He's called the check raise. Yeah. Nick Fertucci. Wow. Three, three, seven, seven, one heart, two diamonds. Nick has three, four of spades. He's protecting his equity. It didn't work because, you know, Ludacris called with the exact type of hand that Nick was probably hoping would, would fold out, although this is a pretty good outcome if, if you're Nick. It is a pretty good outcome, but it's going to be very hard to play this hand from now on, right? Like, yep. how do we get to showdown? Right. Ludacris is always going to take an aggressive action, or he's going to improve and beat us. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's, we need to, like, turn a three, like, today. Yeah. And, like, good luck. All right. $15,060 in the pot. Okay. Turn is not a three. It's a five of spades. Oh, pick up a gutter, though. A little gutty action. little gutty buddy. Gut time. Yeah. Gut time. Gut check. All right, so now we're in a weird spot, isn't it? This is part of why people don't like to check-raise hands like he check-raised. Like, what do you do now? Does it make any sense to continue? Oh, man. Um, well, if we continue, we're only repping a few things, right? We're repping pocket threes, we're repping trip sevens, or we could have the six-four specifically, yeah. which we might have played like this. Right? Yeah, but we probably only have four combos of. Yep. And maybe we're not check-raising that many of them. I don't know. I wouldn't think Nick Fertucci's always check-raising 6-4, right? 6-4 no. diamonds, sure, but probably not all the other ones. Maybe probably not. Maybe one of the other maybe ones. Maybe hearts. Maybe. Um, maybe not. But that's kind of it, right? I, since he has a three in check-raise, I guess he can have pocket fives once in a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we'd be repping a very strong hand if we fire again. It's not something that pocket tens are going to love, but because a diamond didn't come on the turn, it seems hard to imagine you're going to get an overpair to fold. Right, but it is ludicrous, and we know this is Nick. We've played with him a lot, yeah. So we should probably know that overpairs aren't the entirety of his range here. Right, we should probably know. Also, a diamond diamonds don't love this on the paired board. If we fire again, we can yeah. give diamonds a really bad price as long as he's not just going to shove his diamonds or raise his diamonds. Which I, he might I, do. I kind of think I kind of think Ludo would have done that on the flop with his diamonds. Sometimes he might call the like raise turns though. Yeah. Because that's like a cool, fancy thing to do. It is know? fancy. He does love the fancy. Yeah. He loves the pumpernickel s'more. Oh, man. But he actually loves it, Grant. Well, yeah, because he has a real palate. Exactly. Yeah. He's got a real palate, and he's not afraid to talk about it. Right. <laughs> Unlike you. And he actually has good suggestions. He's like, you know what would have been really great? Mm. And it, it sounds weird, but if you sprinkle a little paprika on there, mm. you just add that little, little pop. It's a huge difference. And he also always talks about the garnishes. He's like, this, this garnish is fine. Like basil is fine here, but I feel like a tiny bit of fig along with it would just brighten the whole, also, the whole sensation, the whole flavor sensation. Also, if you put a little <laughs> paprika on the on the basil and thing. The, the yeah. thing is, he's a little paprika heavy. <laughs> he's really yeah. into paprika. It's Hobbesian. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty Hobbesian paprika yeah. take that he has on most foods. Fair enough though. Fair enough. I mean if paprika's your thing, man. I, I I'm just, not here to judge. Right. No, I'm just glad he's got a point of view and he's not willing to uh, you know, keep it under the light. He's like showing it out. Yep. His, his paprika point of view. How do you say it? Paprika? Paprika. Paprika. What are you, what are you paprika? saying? Paprika. It's P-A, though, isn't it? Paprika. Yeah. P-A-P-R-I-K-A. Paprika. That's you. Paprika. Paprika. You sound like you're just learning English. Paprika. <laughs> you're not supposed to say paprika? I don't know. Not like that. Not like that. You sound like a freak. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I never know. I never know. Hey, let's get back to the hand. All right. So on this five of spades, Nick is in a weird spot because he check raised. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't hate to continue. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know what to do here. I mean, like continuing. I have a thought. Okay. I have a cool thought. What if we check raise again? What if we check? It's okay if it goes check check because then we sometimes have the best hand. Yeah. Um. And if he bets, we could check raise. And now two tens hate their life. Right now we're wrapping a really strong hand. That's true. And Luda's often going to bet no matter what he has. Right. If he's got diamonds and we check, he's probably going to bet. We check raise. He's like, I may be drawing dead, man. But is this away. guy right. really going to fold an overpair? I don't know. That's, I don't know if he is. If he's not, we should probably not do any of these things. Yeah. We shouldn't check raise. Well, we check raise the flop to get rid of the overcards. Um, no, then we should not do that. We should probably check fold or check call. Yeah. One of those things. Yeah. I mean, you could do the keep your options open bet thing that yeah. we always talk about now, like bet like 4,500. Although Luda might pounce on the sizing and yeah, and if he's got a hand that's beating us, he's just not going to fold now or probably on the river unless diamonds come in. Right. And we don't want to bet anyway if diamonds come in. Like, it's hard for us to win if he's got his beat right now. 
unless we make a very strong play, and maybe we shouldn't against this guy. Probably not. We, Feels like with this guy, we should just show up with the with a good hand and not worry about the rest. Like let him do all his crazy spewy stuff. Don't try and outspew him. Sit back, beat him with range. That's it. Like it's boring, but it works. Yeah, and so the flop can be about equity denial, and that doesn't really apply anymore. So right. we we switch gears. I mean, it still could. I mean, what you're talking about the turn when you say it doesn't apply anymore? Well, I guess it applies to diamonds specifically and overcards. If he if he can have overcards, yeah. But I mean, like we know Luda's capable of a lot of things. Are we? Do we really think he has Jack Ten off with no, no. back doors? No, no, no. But he could have maybe King Queen with the King of Diamonds. Right? Maybe. And then now the only thing we're afraid of is a King or a Queen, as it turns out. Or by the way, a five, which which counterfeits us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could go either way with a better or check here. I mean, I think we should mostly give up. Like, I know he's ludicrous, but like. He did three-bet pre. He did call our check raise. Like, he should have hands that don't want to fold very often on the turn. Right? Mm-hmm. Turns out he has one that he would fold, but... Maybe. He might just go all in. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. We don't know because Nick checks. Yep. Which I get. I understand why he would do that. Me too. Luda, of course, is going to bet because why else are we here? Right. Like, what, what are we thinking if we're not going to bet? Of course. It would be an interesting play if he checked. I would be like, that is curious. What is going on there? Yeah, if he checked, I would think Luda has like a five, like six, five or so. Or maybe once in a while an overpair that's just like playing it safe against yeah. potential trip sevens that are slowing down. But do trip seven should just bet again. Do you think Luda should consider checking as like a better way to represent the types of hands he wants to represent later? Nah, I think he should just bet, pretend he has two tens and bet and like be trying to like not let diamonds get there for free. Yeah. And also like when Nick checks, he's saying like, I really don't have a very strong hand that often. Right. Right. So you like, wouldn't expect him to check a seven that often. And look, Nick has exactly the kind of hand he can fold. Exactly. Wrong. Luda bets 8K, Nick calls. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know that, but I'm saying the kind of hand he could fold. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. So should Nick have called? You think no? Well, he does block the straight, and he does have a gut shot. That helps. You know, like, so he picks up some equity, which is cool. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many cards that, really, that we really love our life on, right? Yeah. Um. I mean, I think we should probably just fold, personally. Like, this is a very hard hand, and it's not going to get easier. Like, Ludacris is totally the kind of guy, if he's bluffing now, he's probably going to bet the river a lot. Oh, yeah. Unless we improve with a three or a six, specifically. I guess a four is interesting if if Luda decides to bet on a four, right? Because now what is he repping? He's repping pocket sixes or trip sevens that are going for very thin value. Yeah. So maybe a four is like we could decide to make a crazy hero call. Um, cause he wouldn't bet tens again. I don't think. Um, but mostly I just want to bail on this hand and like play an easier spot. This is a very difficult spot and it's probably only going to get harder on the river. Yep. What happens if a diamond comes? We're just going to check lose every time. I mean, whether he gets there or not, it sucks. It does suck. I mean, like it's weird to fold a hand like this against a guy like Ludacris though. It feels like you're just getting exploited all the time. I mean, we shouldn't have, we probably shouldn't have played this hand for a big pot on the flop, really, right? Like, with a hand this small. I understand Nick's doing some different kind of stuff, and I don't hate it, but, like, against a guy who's going to fight back and fire back all the time, I just don't like these, like... I just think, like, fighting fire with fire usually doesn't work against a maniac, you know? Yep. Like, have it. Just have it. You don't have to be like Phil Helmuth and show him the nuts. Just show him top pair. That's all you got to do. You know, show him a reasonable spot, reasonable hand, and you can hold on forever with a reasonable hand. Yeah. This is barely reasonable. Well, Nick decided it's ludicrous I'm going to yeah. call, which is yeah. not a crazy thought. No, I, I don't hate this call, to be clear. Even though I think I want to fold, I really don't hate this, especially because we pick up the, the gutter, right? And what's, what's Luda really repping anyway? I don't know. Overpairs. Overpairs. And I guess, I guess he could have big diamonds, but really overpairs when he bets. The pot is $31,060. I mean, the pot got big, bro. The river is the nine of hearts. Yep. So the board reads three of diamonds, seven of diamonds, seven of hearts... Five of spades, nine of hearts. Yeah. It's kind of a scary board, but it's not that scary for 3-4 as a run out. Like, it's, there's worse runouts for 3-4 against Luda's range. There are. Um, nonetheless, Nick checks, which there's no reason to turn this hand into a bluff at this point. No, it would be very odd to turn it. Like, if we we're going to do that, that was the ch- time to do it was on the turn, right? So should Luda... By the way, ha- the SPR is now uh, one to two. Yeah. So... That's crazy. We have, we have half a pot left. Should Luda go for the bluff on the river now? I mean, w- let's start with this. What does it look like Nick has? I think it looks like Nick has a five a lot. A five or a slow played seven or maybe a oh. pocket pair like sixes or fours. Okay. 
Yep. A slow played seven once in a while, I guess yeah. you're probably right. He may do that to us a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be smart to. Yeah. Um, I assume he's going to do that at least a little bit. Um, but mostly he's probably going to just bet his sevens when it looks like we have an overpair, right? Yeah. Um, so, so if it looks like Nick has a five or something like a five, which is all the things we just said, sixes, five, fours, or a three, right? Yeah. That's all the same, ultimately, or effectively the same. Um, do we think we can get it to fold? I would think we should think we could fold that part of his range out, no? Is it a good story? Because if we think that part's going to fold, would we shove an overpair? Great question. I don't know that we would. The thing is, for half a pot, maybe we should be shoving our overpairs anyway, just in case. Like, could Nick have... Like, if we've got tens, could Nick have eights? I think he could. Well, eights is... Uh, oh, you're No, right. it's not. It's not. Because the nine comes. Yeah. So Nick could have eights and yeah. be check-raising. That, that makes more sense than check-raising the three, quite frankly, right? So um, there's a line there, though. Like, we, we yeah. probably shouldn't shove eights. Right. now, Because now we need to be hero-called. By the things in theory we'd be targeting, and we right maybe now. shouldn't shove tens either because that might like maybe we should start at jacks because Nick could have tens. Yep, he could have tens. You're right, but for only half a pot, it doesn't feel like you know. The question is, do we think Nick is going to call a lot with these marginal spots? Right, if we think he's going to call a lot, we should shove all the stuff that's good, and if he, we don't think he's going to call a lot, we should shove all the bluffs and check back some more of the the better stuff. Right? So we should play in a completely exploitable fashion, yeah. but it's fine because it works. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think I agree. All right. Luda's going to move in. So I guess he thinks... I understand. Yeah, I mean, he's like, oh, your, your range is mostly weak hands. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because we don't even block anything with this hand. We, block, we don't block the nuts even. Well, we do block Nick's two best pocket pairs that are most likely in his range, jacks and tens. Um, I mean, pocket nines is pretty good. Bro. Pocket pairs that aren't auto calls. Oh, I see. No, that's fair. Um, we do. We do. But queen- that's like... I yeah. mean, it's not that great. It's not that great, but it's something. It is something. It's something. <laughs> but I mean, we're always going to be able to block something, though. For if we're going that far out, right? Not like I have ace always. king. I block. I block ace. You know, aces and kings. I don't know. I block ace eight. I block ace nine. Whatever. Um, no, you're right. You're right. That, that is, there's something there, but it doesn't feel like that's enough for me as like as a blocker. That's not a reason to do it. The only reason to do it is to be wildly exploitative, right? Yeah. Well, should it work? Should Nick, Nick fold? Well, let me ask you this. If Nick calls with this, what is he folding? Uh, ace four of diamonds. Would he really play ace four of diamonds like this on the turn? I don't believe it. You think he would raise? I think he'd either bet himself or check raise. Yeah. Um, especially against Ludacris, yeah. who doesn't have to have it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he can have ace three and play it like this and then fold it because he's not blocking the straight at all. I mean, does Ludacris ever have four six though? Like almost never. He is ludicrous. Even so. Yeah. It's possible, but I don't think we should worry about that. No, it's right? not a huge part of it. Yeah. And in fact, having ace three blocks aces, which is probably better anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so back to the question. Yeah, what's the worst hand you know that, that he should call with? It's probably better than this he hand. Show up with here, yeah. Um, yeah, I would think so. Like a lot better, right? From this a, is like a terrible hand. To from have a it. distribution perspective, yeah. this is not a great hand. Even though we blocked the straight, it still feels like a very, very bad, bad hand. I'd rather have like um, eight, five of diamonds here, have turned to five because we had a flusher on the floor, yeah. and then we block eight, seven. That feels like a better play. Yeah. A better hand to be calling with at least. Because still, like Luda might, I think Luda would jam like a bunch of his overpairs, at least for half a pot. Right. You know? I think, yeah, so I think. Based on that, it's a fold. It feels like it has to be a fold. We have to fold something. Now, as Nick, if we don't believe that Ludo would actually shove over pairs, that yes. changes the equation. Yes. We still have one of the worst hands we ever show up with, but then he's so bluff heavy because he has to have basically a full house or a straight, and those are hard to have. Yep. And we, block, mean, and we block both of them. Yeah, the full house is like, it's basically quad sevens, which isn't a full house, but whatever. Pocket nines. Yep. Pocket fives. Pocket fives a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. Um, pocket nines feels like it makes the most sense of yeah. those. Um, but, I mean, I think Luda would always shove, like, aces or kings or queens here. Yeah, but if fair. you... I'm just saying, like, uh, theoretically, if you didn't believe that he would... Okay. That would make this call, which Nick ultimately makes, a, a better call. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I just don't know why I would think a guy named Ludacris who's crazy spewy wouldn't be shoving, like, his big pairs. Like, he should be, right? He should be... Yeah. Sh- he should because 
he's the guy who doesn't have it a lot. So he should be shoving all the value for half pot. Yeah, so ultimately what I, would, what I would say is that Nick probably does think that Ludacris is checking those back. Either that or he's making a, a distribution mistake. I mean, if Luda had nine, ten of diamonds, right? Yeah. So he has overs and a flusher on the flop, gets check raised, turns nothing but gets the check to him, and he's like, well, I might as well take a shot here. You yeah. know, like, it's reasonable. Um, doesn't work. And then Rivers the nine and gets a check to him yet again. You would think the nine is good. I don't know if you're jamming it. I'm no, curious I, if you're jamming it. We were talking that. about not jamming tens because of Nick potentially having ten. We were talking about yeah. it, but that didn't mean I didn't think we should do it. I'm, I'm wondering... If, if Luda should even be jamming something like that, if he's got so many bluffs, he should be jamming all his nines, is what I'm really wondering. Well, I think with the amount of bluffs that Luda actually has, yeah. that he probably should. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if he does or not. I don't know either. I assume he does. Without I don't think it. Nick thinks he does, or else he wouldn't have made this call. Or he just, you know... Made a bad call. Yeah. Well, it turned out to be a great call. It did. Because he won a $60,000 pot. I mean, it's pretty, it feels pretty good to make that call and be right, you know? Yep. I usually want the board to be a little scarier to be able to make that call, you know? Um, I want to be able to, like, actually, if Nick had bet the turn and gotten called again and then checks the river and then Luda bets, that feels also like a more polarizing bet for Ludacris because now we could have a trip sevens. We go bet, bet, and then check because the flush draw missed to give him a chance to bluff, mm, you know? Yeah. But, like, when we check call the turn, we just almost never have trip sevens, yeah. I think. Almost never. Well, it all comes down to Luda's range, obviously. Yeah. And, I mean, you know... It might be true that even if Luda plays over pairs like this, I think this needs to be said. Even if Luda plays over pairs like this, it still might actually be an okay call for Nick, even though we've just chat on it a little bit. Yeah. Because Luda has so many bluffs. Right. It's possible that his entire range takes this route, and a lot of that range is air. My guess is that this is like one of the hands that Nick would have in his range that plays that takes this line that is like um, losing money taking this line. And that most of the other hands he has probably are making money. Taking I'm, I'm going to say it's possible that he yeah. makes money with this line with any pair against Ludacris. I don't see how that's possible. I, even with Ludacris, like, it seems really hard to do. It does. It seems really, really hard. I would say it's like uh, an Aristotelian question, ultimately. Yeah, yeah. can only be answered by the Hobbesian response mm-hmm. and the Leviathan Compact. Which is, of course, what Wesley's going to get to in the solver. Yes. So let's go ahead and see what the solver had to say. Okay. Okay, so these guys play a little bit of interesting poker. So it's a bit of a challenge for Pio and Wesley Cannon, who did the solving, to figure these mercurial people out. But thank you, Wesley, for solving this one. Yes. All right. So I'm just going to quote Wesley directly from his solve here. Preflop ranges. Both of these guys are way out of line preflop, so I gave them a lot of partial hands that they should never have, including the ones they have in this hand. That's the only thing you can do when you're working with a solver at these kinds of ranges. Right. So we get to the flop. Yep. And now that we're here, Pio likes Luda's bet and his sizing choice. He, he went a little big, like two-thirds pot. Uh, it likes that with his range or, and with his hand mm. specifically as a bluff. Cool. Here is what uh, Wesley had directly to say about Nick's raise. He can raise some hands here, but it should really just be 7x, 3-3, and gutters and flush draws. He's actually mostly supposed to fold this hand. Huh. Yeah. I understand the first part about... Basically, you want to be more polarized with your raising range. Like, we have very much a medium-strength hand here, so picking this to raise means, like, what aren't we raising yeah. almost? Um, but it's interesting to fold a pair on the 773 board immediately. Yes, it is interesting. How about that? It's, I guess it's hard to improve and the board's paired in a way that can yep. hurt you in the future. I, I, I don't I, know. I guess. Um, when we're losing, we're losing very badly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, because the board's paired, we have many less outs. Like I would never saying. consider folding this nope. hand. I would always, always not fold. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, three question marks there. Um, here's another quote from Wesley. Despite this being a bad raise by Nick, this is an even worse call by Luda. I mean. Of course. Thanks a lot, Solver. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, we needed, we needed a $250 piece of software <laughs> to tell us that. <laughs> I mean, like, anyway, but of course, yes, we all agree. Good Lord. Yep. Uh, on the turn, even though the Solver never wants Nick to be here, he should check now that he is. So he, mm-hmm. I guess he did that. He did that well. Congratulations okay. to Nick. Uh, Luda has a pure bet. His, his hand just has no showdown value, and it's just time to go for the gusto. Now that we're here, we've, we've yeah. put ourselves in this ridiculous spot. 
we, I mean, if we call, right, like, what are we doing if we're not betting? And right. the solver obviously thinks so, too. And the solver wanted to fold Nick's hand on the flop. What do you think it thinks about the turn? I mean, I would think when, when now that Luda's called the check raise, yeah. I think especially now it probably But he picked up a gut shot. He did. At least he picked up he a gut shot. He should fold. Pio wants him to fold. Yeah. We could be drawing dead. could be drawing nearly dead. could be drawing awful dead. He could be drawing against Luda, which should change the solver's output because it's Luda. Well, I mean, it does. The solver has Luda's range as best as Wesley could come up with yeah it, i mean wesley is doing his best but really his range should probably just be all yellow on that board <laughs> you know it's just like everything's yellow okay all right on the river yep. uh luda can jam pretty light we did discuss this a little bit he can jam mm-hmm. as light as eights for value 10 9 also included in the value basically trying to get value out of pocket sixes and stuff like, like that, that. Wow, um and weird. he should bluff all of his whiffs so that huh. includes so his- it's like you did it you did it great. i guess if he has that wide of a value range he can bluff a lot of whiffs right Right. And Nick, based on the way Nick's played it, you can see why the solver's like, I mean, you just don't have an overpair to the sevens very right. often, right? When you check the turn on the, what, is, what was the turn? Was it a deuce? It was a five. It was yeah. a five, but still, it'd be weird to check pocket eights on the turn, for yeah. example. Well, Nick should fold again, yeah. again for the third time. <laughs> every time. Actually, the fourth time, yeah. probably. And literally on every street, the solver wants Nick to fold. Yeah. Right? Every single street. But guess what? The solver wouldn't have made all this money, and Nick did. Yeah, so solver's broke, and Nick is woke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Nick says that all the time. Yeah. I've seen him say it. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. and gonna be traveling the globe.